Welcome to the Social Impact Pulse, a podcast where we aim to cultivate intimate conversations with entrepreneurs working at the intersection of the sustainable livelihoods and lifestyle sectors. Each episode is a no-filter conversation with entrepreneurs where we dig deep into the values they hold dear and how that molds and shapes the social impact they strive for through their organizations. In this episode, we are joined by Vikram Rajapakse and Nadishan Chantikumar from Kantala, a Sri Lankan-based sustainable brand that makes vegan bags and accessories. We'll hear about what led them to start the brand, their commitment to providing a sustainable livelihood not just for the artisan producers, but for the producers' household, the challenges they faced alongside their accomplishments, and how they would like to be remembered for creating a business that can be good for the planet while inspiring people in the supply chain and customers too. On with the show. Hi, everyone. My name is Nadishan. I'm the co-founder of Cantilla. Vikum and I met uh, in 2013, and we were working at an apparel manufacturing company. And that's where we got the idea of starting on this brand, and which we'll elaborate on more later on. Hi, I am Vikram, uh, and yes, as Nadishan said, we uh, met back in early 2013, and then we later on started Cantala together. So Cantala is a vegan, sustainable fashion accessories brand that is inspired by a 300-year-old traditional craft, which is indigenous to Sri Lanka. And Nadishan and I shared a passion for bringing this intellectual indigenous knowledge to the forefront to address the rural economic issues that were in the country. So since we shared this passion together, we thought it will be great to work together on this and see where it goes. Um, And that's how we started. And since in 2014, we left the company we were working in and have since been full-time at Cantilever. So, Nalishan, just to give our listeners a bit more in-depth insight uh, into um, Cantilever and what maybe have inspired us, what we, what we do with uh, the brand. Can you explain to our listeners how, how we create impact as a social enterprise, um, how at Cantilever we create impact, positive impact? So um, as a brand, uh, there are a couple of key things that we focus on at Cantilever. One is the material aspect of it. So um, all the material that we use for the products that we manufacture are um, sustainably sourced um, and they have a zero impact on the environment. So in that sense, we keep a positive impact on the environment. Also, uh, we work with rural artisans who, before we started Cantala, there were about 150 villagers working in this village, but only a few of them are partaking in the craft of weaving. So what we've done with Cantala has also helped these artisans to earn a living and also um, for us to help them improve their livelihood. From my side, I feel like those are the main impact areas that we um, have at Candela. So um, as I was saying, um, when we started off, there were only a handful of artisans that were partaking in the craft of weaving. That was mainly due to a lack of support. And many private 
parties had approached them to help them to take their craft to the world or spread it around Sri Lanka, but none of them materialized. So at the point we met them, they were also a bit demoralized. So it took us some time to kind of convince them to come on board and work with us. But while we were working with them, we realized that um, it was kind of an aging population that we were working with, although they were super committed to the work and they wanted to be part of Cantala, it was their age group was roughly around above 50. And also uh, they were struggling from the income sense. So what we at Cantala, what we've done is we pay all the artisans above market rates. So essentially we pay them 15% over what they would get from any other work that they do in terms of weaving. And also what we've done is to kind of show them the impact they have on the world, basically by showing the products that we make, where we retail them, and um, the, the reviews that we get for the products. And in doing so with time, we've kind of managed to bring that age, the, the average age down as well. So that is kind of how we've helped um, from the artisan point of view. Yeah, so just to add to um, what Nadishan also said in terms of the income generation, um, I think just like what Nadishan said, we, we have agreed mechanism of calculating the hourly wage. So there is a government set of government statistics which calculate the um, income based on each district. Um, so what we do is we look at the household income in the district that this uh, these artisans are based in, and then we adjust it for inflation and add another 15% on top of it so that we want to ensure that the artisans receive a household income, not just an individual income, um, but a household income that is fair and is a livable income. Um, and yeah, just like one Adishan said, that's, that's, that's helped to encourage the artisans. And so far we have managed to get more younger, younger generation into the craft as well. So why don't you firstly kind of describe what Cantalam is in like one sentence and then kind of go on to elaborate more as to what we do, what we stand for. Um, so describing Cantalam one word is something I always struggle with. <laughs> it's, um, having having lived with it for the last so many years, it's a very tough job. Let, let's uh, go with one it. sentence. <laughs> I would say Cantalam is fashion accessories brand that is inspired by the compassion, by transparency, and by the general concern um, that we should have for our people and planet. I mean, so that's what I would say in a sentence, rather than even stopping on even going to elaborate in terms of being vegan, being sustainable, I think all of that kind of branches out from being having compassion as our core, one of our core values, because we want to be compassionate to the environment, uh, we want to be compassionate to our communities, um, and we want to be compassionate to or any all the living animals. So, um, so that's what I would say. I mean, we that's. It's inspired by compassion and, and being transparent is that Cantler doesn't want to be an entity or, or 
or something that kind of comes in between the story of the craft, the story of the artisans, and the customers, the consumers. Um, so we are always conscious of telling the story of the craft, telling the story of the artisans, bringing them to the forefront, because really they are the creators. We we are only just connecting the dots at Cantler. We are just connecting the dots between a contemporary consumer need and the indigenous knowledge, um, the craft knowledge, the skill that the artisans have. So they're the real makers. So that's why being transparent is vital. So I think just to explain that's why I kind of that's that's those are the keywords. And and that's in in who we are as Cantland, what we stand for. Uh, being compassionate, uh, being transparent, and just having general concern for the people and planet. Even our brand name is inspired by those kind of uh, values, uh, because we were always conscious also when we started off about having a name that resonates uh, with the brand. We didn't want to kind of have either our names or someone's name or none of that. We just, just wanted something that's very related to the brand and so we ended up selecting the Sanskrit name of the main source of our material, which is the, in, in Sinhalese, in our, national, in our local language, what we call is the Hana plant. So that is a plant which yields the core, the main fiber that is used to weave all the mats that are used in the, um, in all of our Cantala products. And it's a very unique plant in that it grows without requiring uh, watering, pesticides, insecticides. It's a very robust plant. So again, it's very eco-friendly. And so we thought that that's, that is a name that kind of, because there's a plant, is it, the plant is good for the people, the plant is good for the planet. And I think we thought that, and it, it's essentially the core material in everything that we make. So uh, so we use the Sanskrit name, which is Kantala, and we kind of played around with the pronunciation and then we settled with uh, Kantala. So the pronunciation has a little bit to do with uh, one of Nadishan's and mine, other shared passions of football. Uh, and um, so one of our very favorite, most inspiring players from the club that both of us also and support. Nadi, if you, I mean, we, you and I, we've been, I mean, I can working at Cantlower now uh, nearly for seven years. And I think that have, we've had many ups and downs, very good moments of achievements. Uh, sometimes where I think we've felt really low, really low lows. But um, I mean, the experience has been really, really amazing. And um, just to share with everyone, maybe three moments when you felt proud being uh, a founder, a co-founder of Cantal. Uh, I think the first one would be when Cantala was nominated by Common Objective as a brand that is a pioneer in sustainable practices. That was kind of a huge deal for us back then since we are a small company trying to incorporate all these sustainable uh, practices into the brand. So I think that is kind of the pinnacle for me. Also, uh, being able to showcase our products at Pure London, which is kind of a huge world-fashioned expo, meeting with brand owners, shop owners, 
making contacts and kind of showcasing a collection that that was also a key highlight for me and if we go back a little we've uh, announced as Sri Lanka's first peter approved vegan brand within fashion so that too was something that i think was key for us we come do you have any different thoughts uh, yeah i mean i mean what you covered nari i mean those are definitely popular <laughs> the uh, good high points and there's this one this is one one experience one one moment though that i really kind of still lives with me was uh, i think back in 2017 uh, we organized a, a trip for the artisans so a fully funded kind of five day uh, tour for them from both the artisan villages uh, just not the artisans including their families as well so we send them on a fully funded kind of tour to down south of the country um because these villages are in the center of the country so in the hills um so they really get a lot of them i mean they're not economically they don't really get to spend a lot to travel um spend a long time along the coastline down south see some sites and uh, some of the cultural attractions um so we did the fully funded trip for them so they they came back and i had a, i usually do um, i always do kind of an end of year visit to both villages so i went after this trip for the end of year visit and and i was i was amazed at the level of appreciation that they had and i mean they they presented this letter uh, everyone had signed this letter of appreciation and saying um, thank you so much for sending us on this um, on this trip uh, some of them have been like we could never have afforded to do it and it was really nice for them to actually discover the families their kids um take parents some of them and and i think i that just genuine outpouring of uh, gratitude is uh, something that's definitely kind of lived with me since um so i think from my human aspect from from a people aspect i think that that really transforms us a moment that i can really feel proud of cool So what would you like Cantilas legacy to be? Um yeah I mean it's it's definitely not I think since you always like stuck in the daily firefights it's it's that's that's actually not question we really think of often what is our legacy what do we want to leave behind but I think I think it's kind of captured probably in anyway what we what we kind of aspire to what we persevere to do on a daily basis just to leave something that is one giving people the hope it, it can be consumer it can be artisans it can be completely unrelated party the, the hope that fashion enterprises can be something for the good of the planet for the good of the people um so that it kind of lives as a beacon of hope that commerce enterprise does not have to be something that kind of plunders that keeps on indiscriminately extracting people's labor the resources and kind of really leaving leaving devastation in its wake so i think i think i mean that's what we are doing i mean in terms of us wanting to showcase that fashion can be vegan fashion can be sustainable and all at the same time um and fashion being fair but all at the same time while being good quality well designed uh, being appealing being functional so that 
all of these can kind of harmonize together and ensure the customer is satisfied, ensure the artisans um, are making a good living and ensuring that the natural resources are retained so that future generations um, can continue to uh, live without I mean, the fears of climate change. Even though to a certain degree it feels like we are somewhat late right now, but obviously at least kind of pull back on it and kind of reduce the impact. So I think I think that is the legacy that I think I would want Cantilla to leave. But I mean, may Cantilla live long beyond Nadishan and myself, but even I mean nothing nothing lasts forever. So I mean, I mean we are very conscious of that. But um, I mean Cantilla will keep on evolving. It might become something completely different. But I think it should continue to kind of its legacy be that business can and be something that's good, good for the people, good for the planet, and can inspire customers, people in supply chain, everyone. No, and in kind of doing so, if, if at some point Cantilla ends up being like a premier craft-based brand in the world, yeah, that'll be cool too. That'll be a decent <laughs> lesson, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, I think. I think. I think to be the. Uh, well, what did I say? I mean, I'm sometimes I'm asked like, okay, by okay, so 2025, 2030, what do you want Cantilla to be? And I'm like, mm, to be uh, the 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 biggest, most well-known ethical artisan-based fashion house in Asia. Um, so yeah, I mean, big hopes, <laughs> big aspirations, but yeah, definitely, definitely. So Nadi, I mean, I know, I know, I mean, Cantilla keeps up at night uh, for different reasons. <laughs> it's um, especially, I mean, over the last 12, 14 or so months, it's been keeping us up at night for maybe not the most desirable reasons. But um, I mean, all in all, um, if you can share in terms of um, what what keeps you up at night these days, it's definitely how to make money during the pandemic. That's, that's kind of been like the um, overriding thought. And I think I touched on this before as well. The last couple of years have been two very tough years for us. I'm sure it was the same for many other brands. But we were kind of at the point where we had got our supply chain sorted and we were kind of hoping and planning to push the brand and increase our sales and sales reach. But unfortunately, the pandemic kind of hit during a very tough time for us, lots of plans that we had in the pipeline, some deals that had come close, they all kind of paused and it's been a, like a two year pause now. So right now, um, what I am thinking of is how we, as a brand, we are going to manage to stay afloat, keep going for how long this pandemic lasts for, because we don't know how long that's going to be. And while doing so kind of, have our in-house plans in place so that we are ready without wasting any time to kind of achieve those plans that we wanted to when things kind of open up. So for me, yeah, it's it's totally been about the pandemic and how we are going to manage during it and how we're going to plan for it afterwards. Because anything else that keeps you up at night besides the current situation? 
Um, I mean, Carl, I, 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 at Candlelight, and I've been the one who's always been doing the cash flow. So um, <laughs> the last two years, I've been very terrible to look at the cash flow. It's, um, it's, it's, I mean, we do, it, it rarely, it's more often than not in the red than the yellow, than the black. So um, that certainly kind of um, keeps me up. Um, I mean, locally in Sri Lanka, I think, Something that's well known is we back in 2019, we had the Easter attacks. So that really impacted uh, the local tourism sector, which is it's a very good kind of source of income for us because between summer, the sum, the summer tourism window and the winter tourism window, there's a lot of um, tourists who come and there are some like really good stores in Colombo boutiques uh, that we were retailing with. Uh, where we get a really decent income from and that kind of really kind of hit us back in 2019 since april 2019 so kind of since then it's been keeping me up at night <laughs> really um but there is a sense of resilience there's a sense of um that we will do what it takes to um to kind of hang in there work um, and uh, I mean it's also down to communication so a lot of my kind of uh, work around has also been to kind of think in terms of communicating with the artisan groups trying to keep them together um, obviously it's tough I mean when we've, we've done several rounds of giving them uh, ration packs giving them um, food packs so that we can keep them afloat as well um, some artisans, we kind of started paying some of their medical prescriptions. Um, so, so managing, I mean, it's, it's also kind of juggling, okay, how, how do we manage our cash flow, but how do we also keep on at least to a certain degree supporting uh, the artisan community? So I think that's been just, just in my sense, kind of keeping the, the, the struggle for me is also just looking at the cash flow, but also trying to kind of plan out how we kind of keep on supporting the artisans. And I mean, other than that, it's it's just a general uncertainty to a greater degree. I mean, if there's a certain level of certainty, it allows us to plan better, but um, the, the, the virus has kind of like really a very kind of an agenda of its own. <laughs> so um, it just keeps on evolving and like really kind of adding to the uncertainty. So that's that's definitely something that also kind of adds to i wouldn't say it's it's kind of a stress but i mean I, I i just keep on telling people like yeah this is this is content for my memoirs and my biographies later so um hopefully it adds to a very thick um <laughs> biography so uh yeah i mean i mean that's kind of probably what's uh, kept me up at night i mean not the biography but <laughs> everything else <laughs> Alrighty, so Bix, what are your goals and aspirations for Cantilla? I mean, so so like I think the goal right now really is to kind of really start pushing on our revenue. Like what Nadishan just said a couple of minutes ago, we had built up our supply chain. So we kind of built up our capacity and then we were looking at really going into the market and that everything kind of stalled, especially with the pandemic. Now, I think our real big goal in terms of the business itself operationally is to um, start increasing our sales. I mean, the 
Uh, we are working right now on a couple of projects um, I'm looking into. One is on the back end. Hopefully that project comes through. And then on the front end as well, we are seeking some funding. We are working on that. So right now, I think the short term goal is to really get some of the cash in, get a couple of projects in. And just like what Nadishan said, have everything in place. So hopefully that when the markets reopen and there's a level of certainty, people can come back out that we're ready to hit the ground running. So I mean, the short term goal is definitely that. And I mean, the larger aspiration is definitely by 2025, we just want to be one of those brands, um, those ethical brands that's really kind of setting, I wouldn't say the world alight, but at least certain regions alight that um, ethical, sustainable, good quality fashion is here to stay and it's it's growing so we want to be one of those brands at the forefront of kind of leading that movement leading that kind of charge into the consumer market um and obviously there's there's this balance between not being all like too much consumer oriented because we obviously don't want to become a consumerist kind of brand so kind of balancing all of that together so that it's fair it's fairly priced it's ethical it's sustainable and it's conscious of the consumption decisions. So I think the, the, the aspiration kind of overall aspiration is that, and like I said before, I mean, hopefully by 2030, we can be recognized as, I mean, one of the top of mind fashion houses in Asia and be well known for working with artisan groups. While the Dumber artisans, the artisans in Candy, who we've been working for so long, our, our core artisan group, um, Nadishan and I have been exploring other artisan communities. We've already set up the Dumbara Hana Weavers, the Sri Lanka Dumbara Hana Weavers Association. Uh, so we just did that actually last year on the 4th of July, uh, which also had happened to be the, uh, the World Cooperative Day um, as well. So we had that set up. Obviously, with the pandemic, there have been certain slowdowns in our activities. But yeah, I mean, our, our vision is to create this community-owned fashion brand in the end. And I mean, Navishan and my aspiration is always to, after creating these associations of artisan groups, that they become part owners in Cantala. And, and we want this to be not just something between Navishan and I, uh, it to be something that is owned by the very groups, the arts and communities that work with Canada. So, fingers crossed, 2030, to put it rightly, Asia's largest community owned ethical artisan led fashion accessories, uh, fashion house. So, yeah. I mean, um, Nadishan, uh, any other aspirations? I think we should, uh, we should uh, factor in. Into I think if we, if we reach that, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> I think there'll be lots of happy people. If here. not, I'll be just greedy. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been at this for some time and we've had experiences, we've learned something. Um, any, any wise words, any wisdom, that you want to impart on entrepreneurs uh, in the social impact space uh, in social enterprise, any anything you want to kind of share, any advice you want to tell them? I think from a personal point of view, looking back at the journey that I've had with Cantela, 
two things come to mind. Firstly, you've got to be patient. From our point of view, when we started, we neither one of us had any background in fashion. So Vikram was into economics, I was in maths. So it was a lot to learn. And while you are working on your brand, you'll have like a lot of stumbling blocks, which later on you will realize that those were all very key learnings. But during that process, you're going to feel frustrated because obviously you want to achieve your goals faster. Uh, so I would say the first thing is be patient. And the second thing is to speak to as many people as possible. So sometimes when you have an idea, you might be worried, you might be wanting to be guarded about your idea in terms of who you speak to. Or you may think that a certain person or a certain group may not understand what you're doing because their experiences, education, the work they do might be in a different industry. But for me, while, um, especially in the initial state of, stage of Cantala, what I realized is speaking to as many people as possible from different backgrounds, different working in different industries, it, it's amazing as to how much you come out of even a chat over a coffee where you have an idea that you never thought about before because they too have different ways and different thoughts of solving a solution or solving a problem. So for me personally, like talking to as many people as possible and while you're doing that, be patient, know that you're going to have a few stumbling blocks, but also understand that those are learnings and make sure you don't repeat those multiple times. Vikram, yourself, any thoughts based on your experiences? Definitely very, very important what uh, Nandishan said. Um, I mean, in a world with 7 billion people, I mean, no one has monopoly on ideas. So it's out there. I mean, just like what Nandishan and I do at Cantla, it's nothing out like absolutely revolutionary. It's, it's kind of knowing the, first of all, seeing the dots um, and then knowing, kind of understanding how to connect those. But there are so many dots out there. So that's the first thing. So sometimes when you, like what Nadishan say, when you talk to people, you start to realize what are the important dots that you first need to pick up on. And sometimes if you do have the expertise yourself, it's easier. But even still, when you start talking to others, you also get that different perspective. And then you see like, oh, wow, like I really never thought of that. So always absolutely recommend people to anyone if you have an idea don't worry speak to people about it the important thing is i would say speed the difference is really between you kind of speaking to others getting that knowledge and then putting it into action um, that is one and obviously again when you have to connect the dots when you need to kind of realize okay which two do I connect, which two I don't, uh, what comes next. Um, so all of those are kind of when you start speaking to people, you really start to see those kind of trends, those little kind of connections kind of emerging. I think the other thing, especially if you're in the social impact in the social enterprise sector, I think just, I mean, this is this, this comes across as somewhat harsh, maybe counterproductive sometimes, but uh, what I would say is very honestly is, if, if your heart's not in it, don't do it. The, the biggest disservice someone can do in the social enterprise sector is do something for the sake of so greenwashing. Don't greenwash. I mean, if you if you need to greenwash, then I mean, I, I would encourage people to be entrepreneurial, but especially if you're in the social enterprise sector, I would say is 
first of all, what you need is you need to cultivate a set of values personally. And those values are very important because even during tough times, those values are what really guides what you do. And then that becomes the heart of everything in your enterprise. And and then that's really kind of translating to really meaningful, re, really good impact, really sustainable, meaningful impact. And, and that also then helps you to become more trusted, to win over both the customers, win over the supply chain. I mean, like what Nadishan said at the very beginning, um, when we first approached the artisans, there were so many others who had come to them before us, who had either shortchanged them, left them in a very bad state. And so they were absolutely demoralized and they were also apprehensive about outsiders coming and kind of painting this um, this this grand picture of kind of taking this craft to the world. But what really helped both Nadishan and I was the fact that we felt really passionate about the craft. And personally, we had this belief that Sri Lanka had this amazing kind of uh, indigenous intellectual property that we were not using. And I mean, Nadishan and I used to work full time and every weekend we used to make this four hour drive one way, go sit down with the artisans, work with them, meet them, have a coffee, have a tea, have lunch with them and really invest in that relationship. And, and today, I mean, even during this pandemic, that relationship is really holding us together. Obviously, we, we have a transactional relationship with them, but obviously outside of our work, I mean, now we have a much more kind of more a personal relationship with them. I mean, when some of the artisans come down to Colombo, I mean, they'll stop. I would invite them over for lunch at mine. Uh, we would take them out for a meal in Colombo. And when I go to Candy, when I'm trying to go to Candy, we get served this amazing kind of meal. Um, and uh, they would sit down, have a, have a chat, have a laugh with us. So that's kind of... The advice I would give anyone who wants to be in the social enterprise sector that it needs to come from the heart. It it needs to be a very it needs to be pure passion. If you have that, you would think of real impact and those relationships are missing. And believe me, even in tough times, those will get your enterprise through. So but please don't do any greenwashing because that is a huge struggle. I mean we as social enterprises have to deal with when words, phrases like sustainability, veganism, ethical, just get thrown about just so that you can sell the product. I think that's kind of my me parting with a few words of wisdom. <laughs> Many thanks for listening to this episode of the Social Impact Pulse. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback and feel free to rate and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, do check out our accompanying animation created especially for this episode. The Social Impact Pulse is a project of the Artisan Gateway and soon to be launched, Their Stories Be Told.